Today on Pilgrim Radio's His People, Dave Jenkins on what he calls the lifetime journey of contentment. It's a skill that we have to work out. You know, Paul says to the Philippians earlier, work out your uh, Philippians to work out your faith with fear and trembling, you know, but it's God that's working in us at the same time. He's at work because salvation, Jonah 2, 9 says is of the Lord. And so know that God is at work. Dave Jenkins next on His People. Quoting from the Bible's book of Philippians and John Bunyan's classic Pilgrim's Progress, David Jenkins reminds us contentment is a result of leaning on God's wisdom and sovereignty and keeping our eyes on the Lord during times of suffering and trial. Coming up, we'll talk with Dave about his new book, Contentment, The Journey of a Lifetime. He's executive director of Servants of Grace. Dave, why did you focus a book on the subject of contentment? You know, um, it, it's it's been said that writers write for themselves and this to help themselves to think through a topic. And and for me, this this book is really that. Mm. Um, you know, the, the other books that I wrote were really, I mean, they were in some way for me, but they were more for to help other people to think through the topics. This book I really needed um, for myself. I didn't even realize I, I had, I knew the ideas of contentment, obviously as reading the Bible. And when you grow up in the church, you know, you've read the Bible, you, you know, you kind of know what contentment is, but when you start writing about it and you start, you know, the scriptures start working you over a bit, uh, this, this was a very, uh, tough, it wasn't hard biblically or theologically to write, but it was very convicting in its application to me. And so in that way, it was a very needed book, and it was a very humbling book because it exposed all the ways that I lacked contentment um, and, and really how I've lacked contentment over the, over the course of my life. Um, and so in that way, this, this book was uh, you know, very helpful to me personally, and um, it just, it just it wrecked me, man. It, it really did. It wrecked me in, in all the best ways. And, and that's a blessing, by the way. You know, I know in, in 20 plus years now of doing ministry, um, some Christians really struggle with that idea of conviction. They, they get a little bit afraid of it, but that's not something you have to be afraid of. That's, that's a blessing. And so, so as I was working through this book, I was leaning in uh, more and more. And uh, the more I leaned in, the more I kept getting convicted. Um, you know, just, just the Lord showing me how I, from, you know, pursuing sports in my teenage years to um, book contracts and even other things, just, just how much I lacked contentment. I mean, I could tell you even recently, you know, as I'm doing these interviews, I've lacked contentment. And so the, the, the title or the subtitle of the book, The Journey of a Lifetime, really cap- encapsulates what this book is about, that contentment isn't just a one-time thing. It's, it's something we're to pursue, and it's a journey uh, for the whole of life. And so when you, when you look at this book uh, and you think, oh, Dave Jenkins wrote a book on this, and so he must have it figured out. Um, the truth is, man, um, the more I think about, you know, as I've thought about these th- topics and, um, you know, going on radio and podcasts, uh, I'm like, I, the one thing I just want to really emphasize is I, I don't have this figured out. Um, there, there's no like magic formula. There's no, like, if you do these five steps, you're going to arrive at contentment. 
Um, it really is because of what Christ has done. And, and we get to, as somebody told me um, at a local church, an older guy, by Titus 2, an older guy, said, Dave, you need to enjoy your union with Christ. And, and that just reminds me, just take time to pause. Take time to be thankful. Take time to remember what Christ has done. You know, contentment, as I say in the book, it does begin with Christ. It's, it's, it's the, because we're united to Christ by faith in his name that, that we're able to pursue this, this lifetime of contentment in Christ, this journey. And so, um, you know, it's, it's a journey. It's, it's not, you know, you're going to arrive and you're going to, you know, along the way, you're going to you're going to get convicted. You're going to realize things in your life like like I have in writing this book and, and even in reflecting on it. Um, and that's OK. Um, but but begin, you know, the journey. Well, Dave, right at the top here, uh, just by way of definition, what is contentment? How how do you define it? Well, contentment begins with Jesus, you know. Um, it begins, as I talk about in the book, as I, met, I was talking about, yeah, with, with a person and the work of Christ. You know, without Christ, you know, Solomon was the wisest man ever, Ecclesiastes 3, you know, and yet he said that vanity is vanity and grasping, you know, for the wind. And so there is a seeking after uh, things of, of, of the world and life, and, you know, we, we can seek after meaning and value and worth, and, and that's that's really – that's really the, you know, what the world does, you know, and that's idolatry. Um, when we seek an ultimate thing, make an ultimate thing um, in the place of God, that, that's what idolatry is, is seeking meaning and value and worth outside of God. And, and so, like, like I was sharing just a minute ago, I was committing idolatry, and I had to – the Lord was convicting me of my idolatry. You know, I could, I could mention other stories in my life where – as I've realized working through this topic, I, I had done that same thing. And so, but as Christians, we have to not only just see our, you know, our sin, but we have to look to our Savior. So to define contentment, you're saying, yeah. for, for, for a lot of people, they, they would think it's kind of gliding through life with peace and comfort and not a care in the world and everything's right. just going along. You, you've got all of your needs met, but that's not the biblical understanding of contentment. Right, right. It, it really begins with the, the person and work of Christ. You know, we're united to Christ by faith in his name. You know, John 15, abide in me and I in you, and, and you'll bear fruit in my name. You know, this is, this is our union with Christ, and, and God is helping us through, through our union with him to, to bear fruit because we're in communion with him. And so uh, that's where that's what I'm saying. This is where contentment begins. And now, when we look even at a passage, a chapter like you know, a lot of people know Philippians four. Um, what's interesting is between verse two and verse thirteen, some people they miss these. They 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 read about verse six. You know, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving make your requests known to God. And the peace of God. And and who doesn't want peace? Who doesn't want hope? But what, what they forget is verse 2, where Paul tells us to rejoice in the Lord. And then, of course, we get to verse 13, and they see, I can do all things through Christ, which people use that as, I can do all things through me. Mm -hmm. You know, that's, yeah. that's, even a, that's even a thing in the sports world, uh, the Christian sports world. But what we need to remember is those two book frames that Paul is using, 
they've really set the context and the stage for Christ. Christ is the one that's enabling us to rejoice in him. He's the one that's made it possible for us to rejoice. You know, and, and Paul Paul gives these, you know, these command he lists off the uh, like a drill sergeant does these commands. So so that's why I'm saying that contentment is only possible because of Christ because if you pursue contentment in your own for its own and without the power supply that Christ provides you're always going to you're always going to not find hope you're never going to find the ultimate meaning and, and comfort and peace that that Paul is speaking about which by the way the peace that he's speaking about in Philippians 4 that's a real peace that is being worked in us through the help of the Holy Spirit and so um, if you don't have that peace, if, if you're not in Christ, if you don't belong to him, you're going to, you're going to, and you, and you hear that you need to, you need to repent and believe and put your hope and trust in Christ. You need to hear Romans five, that Christ has paid the penalty for you, you know, in your place and for your sin. If you repent and believe and put your hope and trust in Christ, you can be saved. That's, that's good news. But for the Christian, this is our hope. And so, so we have to we have to realize this. We have to preach it to ourselves, and we have to remind ourselves. And this is what Paul is trying to do in in to the Philippians. Which, by the way, this was a church that he dearly loved. People that he, you know, was very passionate about. He wanted them to walk with the Lord. Um, and so, you know, he's giving these instructions to to really help them in the midst of their daily experience their daily walking out you know um there's a lot of people that today justly so that get nervous when people t when a christian um leader or a preacher or teacher talks about experience because what they can hear is you know it's all about me it's all about my journey and my story and there's a lot of truth to that there's a lot of truth to that but when we look at a passage like even verse 9 of, of Philippians 4, after he's given these commands, Paul says to practice these things. In James 1.22, don't be hearers of the word only, but doers of the word. Um, so there is a place um, you know, for taking the truth, applying it to our life, and then walking it out. Um, and that would be, I think, the right way to view a Christian experience. And that's the kind of thing that paul is trying to do he's trying to take this these realities these great truths of the christian faith and really press them home into the life of the people of god and and the more that that happens in the christian life that the more i think like i shared very personally at the opening the more that you're going to realize the ways in which perhaps you don't have contentment and you need to be pursuing it and that's that's the most humbling thing in the world to realize, you know, like myself, I've been a Christian since I was five. I'm going to be 43 in in um, February, and I don't have it figured out, I, and I won't because uh, it's a journey, and I need to continue to grow. I need to continue to to develop, and I need to grow as an a author. I need to grow as a husband. I need to grow as a Christian leader. I need to grow in in all of the ways, and that's that's just an acknowledgement. 
that I have an ongoing need of Christ and a great Christ to Spurgeon said to meet my need. Mr. Dave Jenkins is my guest today on His People. He is Executive Director of Servants of Grace, and we're talking about his book, Contentment, The Journey of a Lifetime. And Dave, the Apostle Paul, as you're saying, you're referring to Philippians chapter 4, he wrote about contentment as something that he has learned. And interestingly enough, he was talking about that as he was writing to the Philippians from a prison cell. Kind of interesting to think of contentment and being in prison coinciding. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're talking about the same Apostle Paul in, you know, Second Corinthians. I think it's 11. Yeah, I think it's 11. You know, he said he'd been beaten and scourged, uh, whipped 39 times. And we're talking about this Paul, like you mentioned, who's in the, in the prison cell, you know, writing this, this prison epistle to people that he dearly loved, that he ministered to, that he walked with. And he wants to see them, you know, walk with the Lord. And, and that's something as well, you know, when you're facing trials and, and who doesn't, right? We all face trials of various kinds. And I remember one of my mentors used to say that God is hand tailoring the situations of our lives under his providence. And that's such a helpful reminder that nothing is wasted in our lives. Genesis 50, 20, God is going to turn around what was meant for evil and use it for our good to help us to grow, to be like Christ. That, that's, 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 a, that's astonishing, really, if you think about it. Here, here's the, you look at like the life of, of Jacob, for example. He, he lied and he, and he you know, swindled and, and did all these things, and yet, at the end of the day, he he realized he he kind of gets it back in some ways, in in you know he realizes that he's a lie he's lied and he's cheated and you know he's stolen the birthright and he's been self sufficient. Can anybody can anybody you know uh, think think about that in your own life and think about what God has done in your life? Uh, I think that all of us can kind of relate to that in some ways. So. Um, we all need to find contentment, and God is using the situations of our lives like he was with Jacob and, and even, you know, Joseph. We look at somebody like Joseph in Genesis, and you think, my gosh, you know, you were, you were sold into slavery. You were in a pit. Um, you got tempted by Potiphar's wife, and then, then you were thrown into prison. And, and you think, well, can God use that too? I mean, and, and, and God is using the, the very tough things of our life, you know? And a lot of us have had a lot of really, really hard things, and it can be really hard, you know, if you've, if you've grown up as a, as a kid like I did and my parents got divorced. It, it can be really hard to come out on the other side of that. But to realize that God isn't, God isn't forgotten Joseph in the pit. He hasn't forgotten you. He's, he's near to you. His word is near to you. He's given you his word. He's given you his son, and his promises are unchanging. The, these realities, they, they demonstrate that God cares for us. And not only that, if that's not enough, we have a high priest who ever lives, the Bible says, to intercede for us. And so... Well, Dave, I'm wondering if I could ask you, at the beginning of the book, and throughout, it's a thread throughout the book, you start and you continue with a discussion of John Bunyan and the Pilgrim's Progress, his famous book. And obviously, many people listening to this are going to immediately know who we're talking about. Others, they're not familiar with. This is going to be new. Can you just give us a quick introduction to John Bunyan and then the Pilgrim's Progress and why you've chosen to use this as sort of a, a, a thread through, a book, through your book, Contentment, The Journey of a Lifetime? 
Well, you mentioned even, uh, you know, the Apostle Paul and John Bunyan was also in prison. Spurgeon said of, of, of Bunyan, if you cut him, he, you will, he bleeds the Bible. He bleeds babline. Mm-hmm. And and Bunyan Bunyan was a very famous Puritan. He he wrote the the Pilgrim's Progress, which next to the Bible is the is the second most, and I say second most because the Bible is the most well sold book in the Bible in the in the world in the history of the world. And so, uh, what this what this story really does for us is it really shows, um, you know, from the sloth of the spawn, which is where. You know, John Bunyan is is really in the muck and the mire of life, kind of like if you think of the prodigal son. You know, he sold, he he left his home and he you know sold all that he he spent all of his father's money. I mean, and and he's in that pit. That, that that's what the sloth of despond is like. He's he's discouraged. He's down in the dumps, and he walks through life. He he faces trials and temptations and struggles, and it's really it's an allegory. It's meant to expose and to show the the reality of the Christian life in a in a fallen world. You, you know, we're we're like uh, Martin Luther said that we're at the same time sane and sinner, and I think that idea is is really exemplified in Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress. Because it shows it shows Bunyan uh, getting getting saved and then continuing to grow on that on that journey. You know he messes up, he 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 fails, um, but and yet he you know by God's grace he picks himself up. He keeps walking on on that on that journey. You know to the celestial city. Um, if you look at the cover of the book, my wife actually made the cover. Oh. It, it's a beautiful it's a beautiful picture of what you know. We're we're on this journey, this path, and this is what Christian is on um, in the Pilgrim's Progress. What we're on, as we talked about, those who are united to Christ by faith, and and it's a journey. It's 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 just a beautiful picture. Bunyan's book is a, of the of the Christian life. You know, from the moment we get saved, when God opens our eyes and we repent and believe, to the moment you know we we reach the celestial city, we reach heaven. And we become fully like Christ, and and everywhere in between, um, you know, we we need to. Bunyan's book helps us to uh, story, I should say, helps us to understand the Christian life really between what we would call the already, which began when Christ, you know, what Christ uh, bled and died. He said it's it's finished to the time when he comes and fully consummates his kingdom, and so. Uh, Every, and everywhere in between, we're we're on we're on this journey, and so this is what Pilgrim's Pilgrim's Progress will help you to do. It's a great read. A lot of people read it every year. If you've never read it, it it's a great book. Uh, I used this. Uh, how I came to use this story, I always in my books, I always like to use a story or church history to really bring out the 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 Bible and the and the main themes or the ideas. Um, and I do that very intentionally because I want to help people not only to to know what the Bible says, I want them to know what the church has taught. And so um, this story, I was thinking, what do I use? And I was really at a loss. And then I thought, huh, why not Pilgrim's Progress? And, mm. I've, and I've never seen anybody kind of use this story in this way, but it made a lot of sense to me. I, I actually read it again, and it made, started to make a lot it hit me. I should use this. And so as I usually do, I talk to my wife and she said, that's a, that's a great, I explained why. And she said, that's a great idea. And we, we actually read it together. And uh, 
it was it was just a rich reminder um and it really ended up adding a lot of value i think to the to this particular book you know i don't i don't cite every aspect of the story i take key snippets uh from pilgrim's progress as you know bill and uh insert it to to really help the reader uh get a little bit more understanding of, of the idea of contentment and and how we can grow and the how the lord wants us to grow in the various situations of your life so hopefully that answers your question mm-hmm. well dave i did want to ask and so often we hear people say uh if i just had fill in the blank if if i just had a little more money if i just had a nicer this or that or if i was just married or whatever the case is then I'd be content. And so if that's true, with all of the abundance we have here in the United States, we should be the most content culture on earth. And yet, as you look around, that doesn't seem to be the case. And I think in your own personal life, you've alluded to this a bit, that you looked at maybe what uh, being a published author, being a pastor, these were things, if you just attained these things, you would have contentment, and yet somehow they eluded you. Can you talk about that? And you say the Lord... Uh, revealed perhaps an idolatry to you that was robbing you of your contentment. You know, um, I started ministry at the very young age of of nineteen, and as I as I quickly began, I I, I quickly had lots of opportunities, and um, I can look back at that now, twenty plus years ago, and see I wasn't ready in a lot of ways. Mm. Uh, my my ability to speak and my my knowledge of the Bible and theology far exceeded my character. And and there was a there was a caution that I had often heard, you know, don't start too early, don't start too early, don't be, you know, you're 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 very zealous, but take your time, you know. And there's a lot of there's a lot of wisdom in waiting until some people some guys are ready in their twenties, and praise God for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but some people aren't ready until they're thirty, and some people aren't ready until they're forty, and and sadly, some people are never ready. And and there's a lot of wisdom in in being really slow. To entering into you know public ministry of, of any kind, um, you know, I think for me I was ready when I was about twenty six. Uh, I definitely wasn't ready at nineteen, you know. And what that what that meant very practically is I ended up hurting people when I was when I was younger because I used the Bible and that good theology in a way that was never meant to be used. I used it as a club. Mm-hmm. And so, and so the Lord, the Lord revealed that to me. He showed me very clearly how selfish I was, um, you know, through the preaching and the example of godly pastors. And I'm so thankful for that that investment um, and that example of, of what it means to speak the truth in love. And I'll never forget. I'll never forget one of my mentors. He he told me, and I never saw him get angry. I never saw him get upset or anything like that. But he said, Dave, I need to continue to grow myself in, in, in these kind of – in gentleness because we would talk about gentleness and patience and how the Lord is working in me. <laughs> and, and he said, but Dave, I need to grow in that too. And I, that blew my mind. That blew my mind because here was a guy that had been in ministry some 40 years with Awana and pastoral ministry. And it, it can be so tempting to think, wow, you, you look at somebody like that. As, as an example of of an, a First Corinthians eleven one and, and a man worthy of invitation, you know, not perfect in any way, um, and and it's something that you know I'm still the Lord is still working on me on. But uh, in my younger years, it was it was about numbers. It was it wasn't so much about people. Numbers can be a good thing, 
because they can they can give us a gauge of of you know how the Lord is using us, and that can be lead to profound thankfulness. But it, instead, what it what it did for me in my younger years is it led to pride, um, and a lack of humility. And so, um, you know, when you ask that, when you ask that, I, I I bring that out to answer the question. You know, what what does it mean? I think is to be faithful, and I think it just means to to steady plod i think uh faithfully plod day after day read the bible study the bible memorize the bible pray pray the word of god be be grounded in shape be a member of a local church uh faithfully plod um mm-hmm. you know i'm reminded every day uh, that you know I, i'm still not a pastor although i do get to do pulpit supply every now and again um that that's a praise uh i have to remind myself that of that and and that the lord is is still good um even if i never get to be a pastor or or whatever he's still he's still using me and we we all need we, we all have um areas in which we can be tempted to discouragement you know in, mm-hmm. in our vocation in our jobs and and that's part of we need people to speak into our lives and those things um, as Hebrews 13, 13 says, so we won't harden our hearts so that we'll continue on in this, this race of faith. And that requires, as I'm, as I'm talking about, it requires humility. It requires recognizing, I think one of the things that we have to do as we mature and we we're able to do as we mature in Christ is we're really able to recognize those um, areas in which we're tempted to discouragement. And we're able to say, hey, to our spouse, hey, I really need you to speak into this. I really need you to pray for me. Um, when I'm struggling, I, I need obviously our our pastors to speak into this. I need other other you know if you're a guy, you need other godly guys to speak into this, and that just that just helps to know, hey, I'm not alone. I'm not I'm not alone in this. Uh, everybody faces discouragement. Everybody faces. Everybody has fears. Everybody has doubts. But the question is, how are you going to deal with those? Are you are you going to recognize that you have those things and those situations? Or are you just gonna kind of like you? I think you were talking about earlier, coast through, coast through them and never address them. And I think the mature Christian knows where they're tempted and where they where they have those issues, and then um, they have people to speak into those things. Or they go and they also what I would say is they go to the Bible and they look at what does Scripture say about fear and doubt, and so they strengthen their faith, um, and so that they have more tools in the toolkit. Um, and that's what we all we all have to do. This whether you're a biblical counselor, whether you're a pastor, a ministry leader, you're a podcaster, you're an author, um, or or editor, or whatever, or any kind of ministry, any kind of vocation. You know, God. It doesn't matter if you're in full time vocation, mi- vocational ministry for this. It, it's for every single one of us. It's a journey. You know. Uh, so so th- maybe hopefully that will uh, encourage courage and help you who are listening to this. To realize, you know, you face discouragement, I face discouragement, Bill faces discouragement, and and the Lord is at work uh, in in the midst of that. So find somebody to encourage you, Titus 2. If you're a man, find an older man to walk with you. Um, If you're uh, older, if you're a younger lady, find an older woman to walk alongside of you in your local church. And uh, you'll be blessed and helped and encouraged and, and you'll be able to... You'll be able to even know more of the peace of Christ uh, 
and and be at, at rest and it will be it, as a hymn goes it is well with my soul you'll be able to say it is well with with my soul and we should all be able to say that i wrote this you know not selfishly for myself but i wrote it to to think more about these things to have these truths uh more um applied to my own life and i'm, I'm still growing in these things and hopefully um it will serve those who you know read the book and they're re they'll be helped and they'll have some tools that that god's given to us in his word um, to adequately address, as you said, the art of contentment, you know, the, it's a skill. It's a skill that we have to work out. You know, Paul says to the Philippians earlier, work out your uh, Philippians to work out your faith with fear and trembling, you know, but it's God that's working in us at the same time. He's at work. His salvation, Jonah 2, 9 says, is of the Lord. And so know that God is at work. Can you cite a, a writer or two in church history on this subject of contentment that has been particularly helpful to you and might be helpful to those that are hearing this? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, Jeremiah Jeremiah Burroughs wrote the the classic book on on contentment. Um, you know, there's also uh, John Owen, Mortification of Sin, um, and and that's been deeply impactful to me. John Flavel, uh, Keeping of the Heart, is also very very good. And of course, uh, go check out, you know, Bunyan's uh, Pilgrim's mm. Progress. You've been listening to His People on Pilgrim Radio. Many thanks to our guest, Dave Jenkins, Executive Director of Servants of Grace and author of Contentment, The Journey of a Lifetime. Coming up on tomorrow's program, it's Chris Costaldo on learning about Jesus' upside-down kingdom from the Beatitudes in Matthew's Gospel. Blessed are the peacemakers, a peace that we first embrace for ourselves, and then we embody it and communicate it among our friends, loved ones, and neighbors. All of that speaks to the specific moment in which we find ourselves. That's tomorrow at this same time here on His People. Thanks for listening. <laughs>